0: Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've already done today and what you're about to do. We thank you if anyone came in here today not knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it is all the pastor's heartfelt hope that they would receive you and walk in newness of life. We pray if anyone came sick in their body, facing financial obstacles, maybe oppressed, depressed, feeling lonely, maybe your marriage is on the brink, whatever it is, Thank you, Father, that we can walk in newness of life. Thank you that what was impossible now becomes possible because of your son, Jesus. Father, speak through me today to your people. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for the Dallas Cowboy fans who right now are feeling really sad. And, and maybe they feel like life is over. Father, help them to come to the God side, the giant side. <laughs> But in all seriousness, we thank you, Lord, for this day, for the celebration we're going to have later. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord really put the Dallas Cowboy fans in my heart because I know their hearts were broken. And I'm so sad about it. Oh, I just have empathy. Amen? How's everybody doing? Did you have enough for Thanksgiving? Some of you can't even move. Stand up for a, qu- a quick second and just shake off the weak. Shake off the turkey. This is maybe all the exercise you did over the last five days. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just shake it off. You need to. You need to move around. You need to get the blood flowing. Do you know what endorphins are? Those of you that didn't get up, you don't. <laughs> When you do physical movement and exercise, you release something positive in your body. And if you can't do it physically, you'll never be able to do it spiritually. Amen. Amen. But with the, the ordination today, uh, the Lord was speaking to me about people that, you know, that need to be walking and who they are and who God has called them to be. And he was telling me how so many people are not. So I needed some inspiration, and I went to Facebook, of course. <laughs> now, I mean, you know, sometimes you just open up Facebook, see what they're saying out there, and one of the rappers, I call them rappers, it's not R-A-P-P-E-R-S, it's W-R-A-P-P-E-R-S. You know who you are. Well, anyway, they, they have this business, it's like they wrap themselves in some kind of green leaf or something, I don't know what it is. Actually, we went to a place called Canyon Ranch, remember? We went to that place, and it, you know, I was a trader, so some broker took us to this place. It was a place where you get in shape. Really, what you do is you eat fiber for five straight days, and then you wrap yourself. They wrap? I remember I got wrapped. I got, but I didn't just wrap my my abdomen. I, I, my whole body, I was like a mummy in this green slime. So I don't know if that's the same wrap that they're, you know. But I said, honey, man, if I get one of those wraps, this six-pack will turn into a case, baby. Just get me one of them wraps. (laughs) (laughs) And then I said to her, really, I'm serious, I said, honey, do you think they work? And she goes, Joe, do you know what the name of the company is? It works. So if the company's name is It Works, it must work. Anyway... Um, one of these rappers, I call them rappers, had something on their page because they're always saying these positive things, and it's really good, you know. And this was the quote that was there. It said, the greatest challenge in life is discovering who you are. And I was like, wow, that's just what God's been speaking to me about. And it said, the second greatest is being happy with what you find. And I said, I got to take this a step further because the second greatest challenge or the third greatest challenge is after you find out who you are, are you walking in who you're called to be? Because I know so many people that have gifts, they know what the gifts are, but they're not really walking in those gifts. They're not, they're not being who they're called to be. So sometimes, actually in 1 John 2.20, it says you have an anointing and you know what it is. How many of you know what your gift is? How many of you know what your dominant gifts are? How many of you know what you're good at? Amen? See, if the Spirit of God is in us, he reveals everything to us. Because I'll ask people, I'll say, do you know what your gift is? They'll be like, I don't know. Oh, you know. You just don't want to walk in it. You just don't want to walk in it or you're afraid to walk in it. So to me, the challenge is to be who you're called to be. To walk in what you're called to walk in. And when I'm talking walking, I'm not just talking about walking. I'm talking about living in who you're called to be. The thing I love about Courtney and Erica is they're walking in who they're called to be. They were doing it before they got ordained. They'll be doing it after they got ordained. It's just who they are. And that is God's plan for each and every one of us. People want to be promoted or people want to be in leadership roles. But how many people want to serve? and use their gifts, and lay down their lives for others. See, because that's what Jesus did for you, and that's what we're to do for everyone else. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says this. It says, for it is by grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And it is through your faith, through your believing that this gift has been offered to you and through your receiving this gift of grace into your life. And this salvation is not of you, of your doing. It didn't come from your striving. It is the gift of God, not because of works, not the fulfillment of laws of, of the law's demands, lest anybody should boast. There's nothing you can do to be saved. Jesus did everything that needed to be done for you to be saved. Through faith in what he did, you can receive grace of salvation. It's a gift. How many of you this Christmas are going to give somebody a gift? How many of you are going to give a gift to someone that doesn't deserve it? (laughs) How many of you are going to receive a gift and you definitely don't deserve it? Yeah, amen. It's not the result of what anybody could possibly do, so no one could boast. For we are God's handiwork, his workmanship. In some translations, it says a work of art, a masterpiece. Look at the person next to you. There's a Mona Lisa there. There's a Pablo Picasso there. (laughs) There's a work of art. How many of you looked at the person next to you and said, oh, they're a piece of work? But... (laughs) you are his handiwork, his workmanship, recreated, created again in Jesus that you can do good works which God predestined, planned beforehand, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should what? Walk in them. See, there were so many people that are saved by grace. They know they're saved. They put their faith and trust in Jesus. They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and eternal life, but they're not walking. They're not walking in what God prepared for them. They're either paralyzed or they're afraid or they're knocked down on the mat. Pastor John was sharing how the robinsons they could have got knocked down. They could have stayed down on the mat for the 10 count. But the count of one, they were already getting up. Because we have no choice but to walk in what God has called us to, because we'll never really live. That word walk there is the Greek word parapateho, which not only sometimes it's used in the physical of walking, but the Hebrew root of that word means living. The way you live, the way you walk out your salvation. Joshua was promised, had the promised land, and it says that he walked. In the in the Hebrew was a different word, but he walked in the promises of God. You see, Egypt was delivered from Pharaoh in the same way you're delivered from Satan. But remember, they wandered around for a while and walked in what they were called to walk in. Be a Joshua. Walk in what you're called to walk in. Because God has given you the gift of a new life. Amen. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says this. This means that anyone belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. How many of you have been given a new life with blank pages? The old you is dead. You know what? The old you wants to be like the walking dead and wants to keep getting up. Shoot it. (laughs) Kill it. Because it's just walking dead. How many of you know like that old you starts to get up? Come on. Somebody upsets you and that zombie starts. Boom. Damn. It's a new me. A new me. A new life. This is a gift from God who has brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Because of the gift he's given us, our task is to bring as many other people as we can to him to walk in their calling. That is what Grace Church is all about. That's the vision God gave me from the beginning. It took me 40 years to figure out that I was supposed to be a pastor, that I was supposed to be preaching. It took me 40 long years. Finally got through my head. So I stepped forward, and I did. I walked in what I was supposed to do. And then God said to me, I want you to help others to do the same. And then he gave us pastors and shepherds to help them. Because I needed help. We all need help. And then he gave us a new shepherd to fill another spot, another hole, another place, another place where we were lacking. And he's been doing it for a long time. Listen, let me tell you something. There have been times in between services, before service or after service, where Courtney has come up to me and said, well, Pastor Courtney now, Pestacy, PC, <laughs> has come up to me and said, I need to talk to you, go in the office, and immediately He's crying. He's like, Pastor, what are we going to do about this couple, or that couple, or this person, or that person? How are we going to get them back to Jesus, back to walking in it? Because he understands the task. That's his task. That's our task, to bring as many people as we can to Jesus, to reconcile them back. When we do the Santa Claus outreach, you know, the Lord gave that to Vera to do, and, um, We're not doing it to introduce people to Santa. Even though we're going to have a really cool Santa. He's going to give you every toy that you want, I guess. (laughs) But we want to reconcile people back to Jesus Christ so they can walk and live in a new life. That is our task. Acts 10.38, we see what Jesus did when he walked on this earth. The same word throughout is walking, not just walking but living. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing what? Good. And healing all who were what? Oppressed. By the devil. For God was with him and God is with us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Jesus said apart from him you could do nothing. But how many of you are apart with him? How many of you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Then you were equipped to reconcile people to Jesus Christ. You have everything you need. 1 John 2.6 says this. It says, he who says he abides in him. In other words, if you say you have a part with him, if you say that the Holy Spirit lives in you, you ought to walk the way Jesus walked. And I don't mean like, you know that movie Young Frankenstein? (laughs) When he used to say, walk this way, Igor guy, and then the other people would go, just what he was doing. Not like that. And not walking the way he walked as as he walked, but living the way he lived and doing what he did. When you come across people that need healing, do you stop and pray for them? This morning before the service, I, I saw Pastor Kevin John Santiago with a gentleman in the back. Just laying hands on and praying, and then the Lord said to me, See, just walk in it. Doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. Doesn't matter that service starts in two minutes and you got to pick up your guitar and lead the worship. Doesn't matter. No, no, no. We're here to be the church. We're here to be Jesus to everybody else. We're here to walk the way He walked. Wherever He walked, every situation He saw it as an opportunity for ministry. Amen? How many of you this, you know, you spent Thanksgiving with your family? How many of you needed the Holy Spirit in a very powerful way? (laughs) You gotta, it's hard to be Jesus. Now, I told you that my mom, who didn't talk to me for 27 years, has never been to my house. I had to go to Staten Island, which I call Satan Island. Anyway, that's a whole (laughs) nother story. But I had to go over there and pick her up and bring her to my house. And I actually, when I was there, I saw churches on Staten Island. It was amazing. <laughs> I was even telling Pastor Kev, Pastor Kim, there really is a church on Richmond Avenue. It's true. It's <laughs> inside joke. Anyway, Staten Island years were not my best years. But I went over there on Thanksgiving. I picked her up, and I'm coming back, and I'm driving on Route 1. And coming up where Route 18 is, I was going south there. All of a sudden, you know when the traffic starts slowing down? But it happens really fast and nobody's brake light is on, right? And I drive an electric car so it slows down on its own, so there's no brake lights. So I stopped short right in front. There was some kind of construction going there. I stopped short, and I'm looking in my rearview mirror, and I'm going like this. I literally had time to pray. I was like, please don't let her hit me. Please don't let her hit me. I saw this older woman in her car like this, just driving all of a sudden. So I just went, oh, no. Boom. I just thought prayer was supposed to work. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I literally had time to pray. I was going to take communion and everything. <laughs> just like eat the bread and the cup. I'm literally, I'm telling you, I watched I saw her face. I saw everything. Boom. So I get out of the car happily. <laughs> How many of you here are road rage, people? I know. Raise your hand. Just be honest. Oh, come on. Raise those hands. You know, we're starting these couples groups, right? We have this couples group. And the big issue with half of the husbands in our couples group was, I just hate traffic. Because the question was, what, what makes you mad? What upsets you? Traffic! Steve Lawn, Alex Guzman. I, like, like, these people scare me. It's like I hate traffic. I don't like being in traffic. I don't like people on the road. Like they're anonymous people in cars. Oh, and then another pet peeve of theirs is waiting online. They don't like to wait online. We—how lo- many of you love to wait online? It doesn't bother you. How many of you, when somebody cuts in in the line, you let them know about it? Yeah. See, what's the big deal? Doesn't bother me. So I mean, you know, so here I am, I get out of my car, and I'm walking up to her, and right away the Holy Spirit says, uh I'm going to be Jesus, everybody, be Jesus. I a "What?" Holy Spirit's voice and my wife's voice sounds so much alike. <laughs> Amen? Am I okay with that one? Yeah. So I was like, oh, you're going to be Jesus to everybody, let's see what you do now. I'm like, oh, shoot. So I start walking back. By the time I get there, she's just like, "Oh, I'm so sorry and everything." And, and I said, "Oh, it's okay." Yeah. I looked at my car. And go, it's, o- it's, o- it's okay. I think. <laughs> Before you know it, I'm like, "Oh, you know, I'm from the church over there." Start talking to her. How's your Thanksgiving going? Next thing you know, her head was on my shoulder. <laughs> she was crying. Like. Her husband had just died. So in the middle of the road, now other people, I think it was Alex and Steve, were pulling up, like, get out of the way. Because we were in the middle of Route one. And I just said, no, the peace of God. I just held her, and I prayed for her. We sat there, and I prayed for her, and I let her go, and then I realized my car was scratched up. Anyway, all my mother could talk about on Thanksgiving was, Oh, did you see what my son did? Did you see what my son did? did? You see what my now? Listen, that's the best witness. Cause the old son that she knew, oh my God, I would have went New York, Staten Island, and every other city in the tri-state area on that lady for whacking into my car. I mean, how long does it take you to stop for God's sakes? I saw you like a half a block away. Could you? Have you ever been in an accident like that? Like it's in slow motion, right? It's like, what are they doing? Don't they see? So I invited her to the church. You know, hopefully she'll come. But man, she was hurting so bad. But we're to be Jesus to everybody we come across. We're to walk just as he walked. But so many people are just on the mat and can't seem to get up and be who they're called to be. Well, God wants to tell you something. Today's the day you can get up. Today's the day you can be who you're called to be. I'm not telling you this because I'm perfectly the person I'm supposed to be. I'm not. Just ask my wife and my kids. None of us are perfectly there. But we got to get on our way, people. we got to be on our way. we got to take a step. Let's look at John chapter 5 as we close out this service. And then we're going to celebrate downstairs. It says there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem These are some of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. I have some faves. This is just one of my favorites because every time I look at it, I see something different. But uh, it said there was by Jerusalem a sheep gate, and uh, there was this area in Hebrew called Bethesda. And uh, as you know, I've said it many times, Beth in Hebrew means house, and Esda is short for the word chesed. Everybody give me your best Hebrew without spitting on the person in front of you. That said, said, said. That means grace or mercy. So this area was called a house of mercy. A house of grace. Kind of like where you are now. This is Grace Church. You know, it used to be called Faith Exchange. Some years back we were part of a church in New York and we were called Faith Exchange, and then the pastors we all got together. What do, which, and I always knew. I said to my wife, I know this won't be our ultimate name. I know there's another name. And grace was always very important to me because I didn't deserve to be a pastor. I mean, every day I woke up was grace. Like, you know, without grace, where was I? Nowhere. It was grace in my face, you know. So we were coming up with all these different variations on grace, and we just decided. I remember we just said, Grace Church. Grace Church. And, um, We're in a house of grace right now. And it said the place had five porches. If you know five is the number for grace, five smooth stones, all that stuff. Okay, let's move on. And there was laying a great multitude of sick people, blind, laying paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For when an angel went down at a certain time of the pool, stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of water was made well of whatever disease he had. So there was a pool there. We actually saw it when we were in Israel and this pool, there was five porches, and there was sick people all around. And when the water was stirred by an angel, the first person that got in the water would be healed. And I thought about it, and I thought, "Wow, there's a faith healing." The person was so sure, just like the woman with the issue of blood. Remember, like if I touch him, I know I'll be healed. All these people were there, but they knew there was no question that whoever got in there first was going to get healed. That's the kind of faith we need in our lives. It was like a sure faith. Like they just knew it. There was no question. And frankly, that's why people were getting healed. Because the faith was so strong. But it's interesting, in that same situation where there was a large multitude of sick people in the house of grace. How many of you know there's some people in here today that are sick? Maybe not in their body, but maybe in their heart. Maybe in their spirit. Maybe in their body. Maybe in their marriage. Maybe in in walking in their calling, whatever it might be. My wife always says, church is a hospital. And guess what? We're not the doctors. We're more like the nurses. (laughs) We're more like emergency room. (laughs) Like, Jesus, there's an emergency here. You need to handle this. Amen? Amen? I mean, we can do so much, but he can do everything. And church sometimes is like a hospital. And the funny thing is, you know, some people go to the emergency room and their leg could be dangling and they'll sit there like nothing's happening. And some people go to the emergency room with a little cut and they're like, I need attention and I need it now. Either way, that's how the church is sometimes. The people that need the most help, you don't even know about it but the people that stub their toe every once in a while, they make a whole bunch of noise. Either way, there are many people here today that are not up and walking in their calling. There are many marriages here today that are not what they should be. There are many careers represented here today. There are many people in their minds either depressed or repressed or lonely here today. And uh, Jesus wants to come to you and help you. Let's look at verse 5. I love this, this is why I love this so much, Pastor John, I just love it so much, is there's all these people laying there, all these people laying there needing help, and Jesus comes and sees one guy, he sees one guy, do you know that Jesus sees you, he knows your situation, it said he knew the condition the guy was in. Let me tell you something. Whatever condition you're in, he knows what it is. You can't pay your mortgage, he knows it. Your marriage is on the rocks, he knows it. You would think a marriage on the rocks would be a good thing, right? A glass with some ice in it, marriage on the rocks. It's good. Celebrate. Anyway, your marriage could be on the rocks. Or, or you could be depressed and feeling lonely even though you're smiling right now. He knows Maybe everybody else doesn't know, but he knows. And it says that he went right to that one guy. That's grace. That's grace. Not like the woman who, and the paralyzed and those that came to him, I need to be healed. In this situation, they were just out there in a multitude, and he goes to one guy. I'm going to tell you something. Today the Holy Spirit is going to go to somebody or some people, or a bunch of people, and he's going to talk to you directly, he's probably already talking to you. You ever been in a church and you thought they had church just for you that day? Like your friend invited you to church and you said, did they tell the pastor my story? (laughs) Did you ever feel like that? Come on. You know, there's 400 people there. He's preaching about my story. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, they must have told him. That's why he knows. No, because the pastor doesn't know nothing. The Holy Spirit knows everything. And he will speak directly to you. In the same way, Jesus came right to that guy, knew the condition he was in. He said to him, do you want to be made well? And this is what he answered. Listen, everybody's got a reason why they're not walking in what they're supposed to walk in. Everybody's got reason. All the time. I hear them all the time. But there are no excuses. Time is short. When Jesus comes back, you're going back to, you're going to face him, you're going to be naked as a jaybird. You know how the Terminator came to earth, right? He came naked, got some clothes on, and the Terminator leaves, clothes vanish, they leave there, and he's back naked. That's how our lives are. We're going back. <laughs> All right, don't have an image in your mind. I'm just saying. It really is true. And then he's going to ask you what you did with what he gave you. What did you do with it? It could happen like that. In the twinkling of an eye, we all could face him. Or people are losing their lives all the time. 200-some thousand people die a day on earth. And then they got to face him. What did they do? So this sick man answers him, I have no man to put me in the pool. His first excuse is it's people. It's people. I mean, if you would have met my mother, you would have thought maybe I had a good excuse, but I'm just being honest with you. You know, uh, not everybody here had great parents. Can I get an amen? You know, not everybody here has a great family. Can I get an amen? Not everybody here has a whole bunch of friends or a great boss. Or they want to blame their spouse for all their problems. See, the first thing he did is he said, there's... There's nobody to put me into the pool. And the next thing he says is when the water stirs. So it's a timing issue. Well, you know, I, I should have done that. I could have done that. I would have done that. You know, how many of you here have had some prophecy spoke over you about what you're supposed to do? But How many of you are actually doing it? Was the prophecy wrong? Or you thought, well, it didn't happen right away, so I forgot about it. Or it just wasn't the right time to start that business. It really wasn't the right time for me to start that ministry. You know, they were preaching faith at the time, and my ministry was grace. Whatever the reason. You know what I mean? Like, there's always a reason about timing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you when the time is. It's now. It was then. It was before that. It's as soon as you know. As soon as you know. But we want to make the excuse about time. Well, you know, I was thinking about doing that, but I got married, and then I had four kids. And then she said, I'm pregnant again. And I said, wonderful. And she said, it was two. And I said, isn't that a blessing? And it, (laughs) that's my life. You know? I knew what I was supposed to do in my early 30s, but I waited, but I finally got it through my thick head when I was 40, and I just did it. And it was like, all that time I wasted. But now God has made it all up. Fine. Listen, your time is now. It's not tomorrow. It's not when everything lines up. How many of these young people are like, I'll have kids when I got enough money. How many of you ever had enough money when you had a kid? Or we'll get married when we have a house. Oh, that's a great premise to get married on. When we got married, we didn't even have a mouth. Never mind a house. <laughs> How many of you got married, you had nothing? Come on now. Nothing. Please. How many of you said we're going to wait to have kids and you had them anyway? <laughs> this, it's never the right time. The circumstances and conditions are never going to be perfect, people. Come on now. Just get moving already. Hey Amen. You young single people, just get married already. Just do it. Except for my daughters. Take your time. (laughs) You too. Take your time. Slow down. It's got to be the right timing. (laughs) And then, (laughs) wait for the perfect. Now, it says, and he said, another one steps down before me. In other words, everybody else is getting it, but I'm not. Somebody always gets it, but I don't. Deacon Courtney's a pastor. Why he get it before me? <laughs> Cause he's walking in it. You know, we you gotta walk in it. I mean, believe Pastor Camp, why I think the worship like Just walk in it. What are you waiting for? Hey, when you first got saved and we baptized you, did we like in seven years you'll be a pastor. So just come. No, you ushered, you greeted, you cleaned up. You and your wife did so many things. You just walked in who you were. So many people don't understand that. The faithful person abounds with blessings. You have to walk in it to be it. You have to take a step. So many people, because of people, because of timing, because they think it's not fair, they end up doing nothing. They are like people that had Thanksgiving food and ate way too much and laid back and watch the Cowboys lose. I mean, that was the only good part about that whole day, watching the Cowboys get crushed. Oh, hallelujah. Because frankly, I'm sick of you Cowboy fans, all right? The only time you open your loud mouths is when they're winning. Oh, where's all the Cowboy hats today? Uh. Give me so I can stamp on it. Anyway, let's get back to something serious here. So then, Jesus said something to this man. This is it. And this is what he's saying to you today. Rise and walk. Rise and walk. We can have the whole worship team come up now. Rise and walk. Rise and walk. That word walk is that same Greek word, peripateho, which means more than walking. It means living and who you're supposed to be. Because I will tell you this, unless you do, you're not really living. You think you're living, but you're not really living. Rise up, take your bed, and walk. See, it's not just don't be crippled anymore. It's not just don't be caught up in sin anymore. It's more than that. And that's where so many Christians miss it. We get saved. We get the gift of salvation. And we think it ends there. Now we can lay back and eat cheese doodles. With our remote control. Ooh, let's turn on Pastor Joe. Ooh, he's okay today. Change the channel. Let's turn on the worship. Let's turn. You're not called to sit back on your you-know-what. You have a calling on your life. And here's what. Look, look, Jesus said, rise up and walk to a crippled guy. So do the impossible. Do the impossible. Listen to me. When God said, start Grace Church, to me, that was impossible. It was impossible. Are you kidding me? I'm 40 years old. I am out of work. I got six kids. I have no training except for just serving in church. To me, it was like, this is impossible. But I'm going to tell you this. When God asks you to do something impossible, you only have two choices. You're either going to lay there and stay sick. Or you're going to get up and do it or attempt to do it. So he said, get up and walk. And, and the guy who's been crippled for 38 years had enough faith to say, okay, I'm going to get up. And then he walked. Last week, we had a woman in a wheelchair at this side of the stage. I've seen her here numerous times in her wheelchair. My wife came over and prayed for her and said, I don't know if he said one day or if today or whatever she said, you're going to out of that wheelchair and you're going to walk. My wife went to pray for somebody else. Pastor Kev, who's normally up leading the worship, just happened to be, I said, Pastor Kev, he was over here. I said, Pastor Kev, can you go pray for that lady on the end? So he goes over. He walks over to her in the wheelchair. He prays for her. As he's walking away, he looks back and she's moving her hands. She gets out of that wheelchair and walk from that side of the church all the way to over here. Now, I don't know if she's doing the triathlon right now. I'm not sure. And I was going to take that wheelchair and nail it to the wall. I was thinking, do we put it up there now? But I, listen, point being, when God asks you to do something impossible, he'll make it possible. So whatever it is he's asking you to do that seems impossible, you just need to start walking in it. And he'll make the impossible possible. Hallelujah. Romans 6.4 says this, that we should walk in newness of life. Newness of life. Because Jesus died on the cross, because God raised him from the dead, that same power can be in us, and we can walk in a new, fresh. Life. That word newness means fresh. How many of you like fresh food? How many after one day you don't even want the leftover? After one day. Okay, bring that to my house because I like to. I said three days, anything can be raised from the dead. For three days, I'll take it. But anything after that, I don't want it. But how great is, like, fresh food? Come on, how many of you Italians? It's got to be. Come on, you Latinos, you love. Come on, I just said how many of you Italians and some Latinos raise their hand. You just want to be Italians. I know. Point being is you like fresh, right? You like fresh. Are you fresh to people? Are you like a source of freshness? Are you a source of life to people? If somebody's in the supermarket in the line in front of you and they're sharing with the cashier about how life is this and they don't know and they just told they got this disease and their kids and are you going to be fresh life to them? Are you going to say right now, I'm going to be Jesus to you. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus gave me a new life. He told me to rise up and walk. And now I'm going to show you what he told me. You can rise up. You can overcome this. With him, all things are possible. Are you going to walk around the same way he did? That's my question for you today. Let's bow our heads right now. I want to make sure that everyone here knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And some of you, you've said this prayer before, but nothing changed. Maybe you didn't mean it. Maybe you were just going through the motions. Maybe it never happened. And some of you, this is the first time you're hearing this. And you're like, okay, what happens next? I'll tell you what happens. We say a prayer of salvation. And then we walk in newness of life. A gift. See, there is a gift of salvation, a gift of grace that's for every one of us. It's for everybody in the world, every Muslim, every Buddhist, every country, every person. This gift is there for them. But this gift of grace comes through what? Faith. Through believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. His blood covers our sins. If we repent and turn away from our sins, We can have the eternal life that comes through Jesus. That just as Christ was raised from the dead, it says here, we can also walk in newness of life. In other words, we can live a new life. It's time for some of you to live a new life today. You do it by praying. The impossible becomes possible. How? By you taking one step towards him. So say this prayer with me. Say, Father, Father. I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross. For my sin, sin. three days later, later, you raised him from the dead, that I could have a new life. life. Jesus, Jesus. come into my heart. heart. Make me brand new today. I want a blank page page. to walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen.